0: Hi, this is Brian Landau and you're listening to The Drip, a podcast about how to caffeinate your campaigns. Today, I'm joined by Katie McCauley. Katie is the owner and managing director at AB, the oldest dedicated internal communications agency in the UK. In this episode, we talk about how the client ask around internal communications has changed over the last few years, what role technology might play in measuring employee engagement, and why employee well-being is not only an HR concern, but that of internal communications. In just a few moments, you'll hear Katie talk about the role that audio is increasingly playing in internal communications. And this is connected to a broader point that Katie makes about how internal communicators are now concerned with employee well-being. Your colleagues and your employees are listening to audio throughout the course of the workday, and the pandemic has only accelerated this behavior. People are going for walks and getting fresh air, and they're using podcasts as a source for news and information. We also use mindfulness apps like Headspace, Calm, and 10% Happier. Yes, these apps leverage audio as a way to communicate. Audio is authentic and intimate and there isn't a visual bias to distract from the wisdom that's being communicated. Every company writes emails, does executive videos, whether those are short messages or fireside chats. Zoom all hands are now the norm. I don't think audio replaces those things. It reinforces it. A good communicator hits all of the channels of communication and the message is different depending on where you're engaging. Audio allows you to go a little bit deeper, to explain a little bit more. It's an amazing way to do internal thought leadership. But one thing that I don't see internal communications professionals doing enough of. Internal podcasts are an opportunity to invite your colleagues to create their own content. You, the director of IC, don't need to be the host. You don't even need to get the executives to host their own content. Did you know that your supply chain manager already has her own podcast and would probably love to do one for the company? Did you know that the associate in enablement is a yoga instructor outside of work and has a ton of experience in creating mindfulness content? Invite your colleagues into the process, empower them, collaborate with them, and then moderate the process. Venly is an audio platform for business and we believe that your audio should live where you do business. Using Venly, you can seamlessly share audio content to internal communications channels like Slack, SharePoint, Instagram and employee engagement platforms like Social SocialChorus, all with customizable security and privacy settings and enterprise-grade analytics. Are you interested in how audio might play a role in how you engage with colleagues and employees? Email me directly at brian at That's brian, b-r-i-a-n, at venly, v-e-n-n-l-y dot And now, the inspiring Katie McCauley. Hi, Katie.
1: Hi, Brian.
0: Katie McCauley has 30 years' experience in communications. Today, she is owner and managing director of AB. Based in central London, AB employs 30 people and is the UK's longest established internal communications agency, founded in 1964. She chairs AB's board and management committee. AB's current clients include American Express, KPMG, Royal Mail, Hitachi, and Transport of London. She's the author of From Cascade to Conversation, Unlocking the Collective Wisdom of Your Workforce. The book is based on a year-long research project into how high-performing organizations communicate with their people. Katie is the host of the Internal Comms podcast. Every fortnight, Katie, we have an American audience. I bet 90% of the people don't know what a fortnight is. Every fortnight, she interviews business leaders and senior communication professionals to shine a light on new thinking in employee communications. Since the show launched in January 2019, it has been downloaded more than 70,000 times in 50 countries. In September 2019, Katie was named Changemaker at the UK's Institute of Internal Communications Annual Awards of Excellence. Katie is a regular speaker and presenter. She has spoken at two IABC World Conferences and at the Institute of Internal Communications and Chartered Institute of Public Relations. Katie, thank you again for being with me today. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you very much for that generous introduction, Brian.
0: <laughs> it, was, it was wonderful. So for those that aren't familiar, what is A.B.?
1: So I think your listeners might actually be able to clarify whether we truly are the world's longest established internal comms agency. So if you're out there and you have uh, an agency, you work for an agency that was set up before 1964, so more than 57 years ago, get in touch because I think we are. So what happened was a guy called Anthony Buckley was printing newspapers on Fleet Street in London and he was looking about him. I mean, he was looking around and seeing people going to and from work. And you've got to bear in mind, this is just 20 years after the end of the Second World War. And he was a bit of a visionary. He felt that the people that he was seeing deserved better in terms of the kind of communication they were receiving at work. Now, very sadly, Anthony or Tony, uh, he was better known, died just last month actually at the age of 87. And I was very lucky that I got him on the podcast um, just a few months ago. And he was as passionate about internal comms in his 80s as he was all those years ago. But his agency lives on, and we serve the kind of international internal comms needs of organizations like Lego, Amazon, KPMG, Kimberly-Clark. So yes, um, his legacy very much continues today.
0: When we connected beforehand, you mentioned that the client asked, in quotes, for decades, since 1964, was basically the same, and that it was highly tactical, but that there's been a dramatic shift over the last few years around employee well being. What are some of the drivers of this change? And can you point to some examples of how companies are better supporting well being as part of internal communications?
1: Yeah, I mean the biggest driver is the fact that we've got now a much better understanding of what drives the employee. So we just, you know, we, we've got a much better understanding of employee engagement. I actually don't like that phrase, but if you can't find a better one, that will, will do, I guess. The phrase well being, I think it's so interesting that you use that phrase. When I hear well being, I think of it in its most broadest context. Okay. So I'm thinking about employees you know, mental good health, their physical well-being, but also their ability and motivation to do the job and how connected they feel to the purpose of their organisation to each other, how much they trust management, how change is handled internally. So yes, the ask has changed dramatically and it translates into some really interesting and diverse work. So Before this podcast, I was thinking to myself, what are we working on right now that I can mention? And I can't mention the clients because everything is under a very strict NDA. But right now, we've got a big internal brand awareness and protection campaign for an organization that owns a very valuable and iconic brand asset. For another, we're helping for a chemicals manufacturer, we're helping... Strengthen their health and safety culture. For another one, we're helping embed some new technology that's going to change how HR processes are are accessed. And we're also helping a client we have done for quite some time with sales enablement tools um, so that employees can have more informed, confident, smarter conversations with their customers. So the work has changed and it's now a really broader. And really fascinating range of, of projects and campaigns.
0: This is just an observation, but when I hear companies talk about employee well-being, it's typically an HR concept as opposed to an internal communications concept. And when it funnels into HR, it sort of means like, hey, we have a subscription to headspace and you can do meditation or like, here's a gym subsidy, like please go get some exercise. reframing it into an, an internal communications construct, Are there content formats or strategies that have proven to be particularly successful in supporting employee wellness? Are there some leading indicators that best demonstrate the effectiveness of those strategies?
1: It's such a great question. And I wanted to know the answer to this myself. So a few years ago, I took a whole year out and I started to research how high performing organizations communicate with their people. Because I wanted to know, are there any common denominators, common themes? And the book that I ended up Writing after that year of research, I ended up calling it From Cascade to Conversation. And the clue is really in the title. So I would say that the most effective formats, channels, strategies have a strong conversational element. Now, what do I mean by that? Now, there's some obvious dialogue based channels. We're on one right now, and you're probably not surprised to hear we are producing a lot more internal podcasts for clients, and that's great. But I really want to say to listeners that even if you've got more traditional channels, we still do a few monthly printed magazines. And we certainly do a lot of digital regular titles. They should all have a strong conversational element. They should all be capturing the wit and the wisdom of your employees. And to get this right, you have to do a lot of listening. You know, your organisation would never launch a new product or service without doing a lot of customer research, and you'd keep listening to those consumers to keep making refinements and improvements, and it's exactly the same internally. You know, my experience of sitting in focus groups over the years, employees are quite capable of telling you the type of communications they want and they need, but you have to ask the right questions in the right way, and you have to be prepared to listen and respond to the feedback, which you might not always like, but you know, you get what you get when you ask these questions and it's it's important that you ask. In terms of what sort of success looks like, I'm probably not the first person you've had on your podcast that says, you know, we're very good as communicators at, at measuring outputs. We're less good at measuring outcomes. Uh, I would also say that when it comes to sort of how effective these strategies are we tend to confuse satisfaction and effectiveness and they're not quite the same I don't think. So for me it's just being really clear at the get-go what your objective is before you get going and then if you can find a benchmark to measure against before you start that for me would be another key to success.
0: Let's stay on this theme a little bit because when you're pitching the media or even creating owned content You could do an awful lot of storytelling, but your employees aren't just your first audience. They're also the audience that knows the most about your business. What guidance do you have for internal communicators about messaging this audience in particular?
1: So I am going to say something slightly controversial here. So I think all your listeners probably know the model that we talk about a lot in the media world. We talk about earned, owned and paid for media. And that's a kind of standard model we've kind of all come to understand. My message would be when it comes to internal comms, you may own the channel or the platform, but employees do not owe you their attention. That is something you have to earn and it's getting harder and harder to earn it. And you've seen the stats, you know, we scroll through 90 meters of content on our our phones every day. The equivalent of the Statue of Liberty, the height of the Statue of Liberty. So internal comms is not the soft option. It's not the easy option. Um, And just because the channel is yours and you can publish every time, anytime you like. um, Yeah, it doesn't make it easy. You're right. Customers employees, investors, um, all really important audiences, but the internal audience is slightly different. I look at them as kind of informed insiders. As you alluded to, they see behind the curtain every day, and you can't market to them in the way that you can potentially market to other audiences. So when it comes to messaging, you need to get really clear what it means to individuals. So that sometimes means segmenting your internal audience to get that sort of granular understanding. And then you need to be really open and honest. Your credibility will be lost in a nanosecond if you start dancing around the truth. Because as I say, yes, you're right. These people see under the hood. They see under the rug.
0: You're on the board of the International Association of Business Communicators. What are you and your colleagues discussing and thinking about when considering the future of business communications? What What do the next five years look like, in your opinion?
1: Yeah, this... <laughs> This question makes me laugh because not only do I sit on the board of the, yes, the International Association of Business Communicators, I also sit on their Trends Watch Committee. So I really should be able to answer this question. I actually feel that the problem is not trying to pick a trend, it's trying to pick the most salient from the so many that we're seeing emerge out of not just the current crisis but ongoing changes to the societal change, technology change and all the rest of it. I mean, we can't not mention COVID but I only want to do that very briefly. Of course, there are going to be some long-term structural changes to desk-based and knowledge-based working as a result of this pandemic. The only thing that slightly frustrates me about the dis- discussion and the debate we're seeing is that it seems that commentators, you know, we, we in the media are very good at talking to ourselves. There are lots of millions and millions of employees who have to turn up to work every day and that, that cannot be done at home. So I just, you know, I'm mindful of, of all those millions of employees when we have that debate one of the things we've been looking at recently is the internet of behaviors and the trillions of breadcrumbs that we're leaving behind about ourselves as we do more and more online and i think this raises some really interesting questions about you know how much we value personalization over privacy It's gonna raise some interesting questions about how we monitor employees and their productivity going forward, because we're gonna have more and more tools to do that, but should we be doing that? So yes, I think that's a really interesting um, area on a personal level i am deeply fascinated by the employee activism that we've seen at bitcoin at wayfair at google i've been fascinated by organizations like basecamp that try to sort of ban political discourse from work related channels like slack whatever the solution to activism i'm not sure that banning the discourse is the right way to go Uh, and it seems to me a better policy would be to kind of lean in and listen harder and for communicators to um, really sort of flex their skills and their capabilities by letting productive meaningful dialogue flourish inside their organizations and not necessarily step away from it but you know that's just a personal view.
0: It's a little problematic to encourage your employees to bring their whole selves to work and then limit what they can talk about. It's at odds. Yeah, <laughs> Call me old I mean, fashioned, but that doesn't make sense.
1: Well, I mean, almost all my clients have got campaigns about bringing your whole self to work, and it and it falls into the whole, you know, inclusivity and diversity debate. So I'm I'm with you all the way there. I I've listened to Jason Freed, on um, the CEO of, of of Basecamp, and I have some sympathy with what he's saying, and I'm not, you know. I think we've got to be careful here, but I absolutely agree with you. It flies in the face of that whole idea.
0: All right. I'm going to get you out on this question. Your podcast is fabulous and fabulously successful. Those aren't always the same thing in podcasting. Sometimes great content doesn't get many uh, listens. Yours is great and gets a lot of people to listen to it. The podcast is called the internal comms podcast with Katie McCauley. What have you learned about podcasting and how has that maybe informed the recommendations that you will give to a client partner about their own internal communications strategies?
1: I have to be careful here because I tend to say, go for it. I love audio so much that I'm kind of, I feel quite sort of a champion for it. Um, I think there's several reasons why I often do recommend it as part of a channel mix. It's a relatively low ask you know, there's no cameras, there's no lights, there's no audience. I actually do quite a lot of preparation and research before interviewing my guests but for them because it is just two people talking and the audience get to hear it later once you've done your smoothing out and your editing if that's what you do then it should be quite a actually quite a pleasant experience and that's not how people always feel when they're uh, in front of a, a video camera for example there's a real intimacy that you can create um, and stories that you can tell it's a it's, it's a strangely emotive format so I highly recommend it we used to talk a lot in internal comms we don't use this phrase so much but we used to talk about push and pull comms so we used to talk about the content that we that we foist on people often everyone at the same time and then the more on demand content that they can access themselves and it's fascinating to me how great audio is as that on-demand content because it fit so neatly into our busy lives. And listeners often they'll tell me what they're doing while they're listening to a show. And I've had everything from cleaning the bathroom floor to doing the ironing and I love that. So my advice is have a clear objective, decide who your audience is, and you know, maybe get niche about that you don't necessarily need to speak to the entire organization it might be you could be incredibly successful by really honing in on a particular internal audience decide your format because there's so many different formats in podcasting now have a think about how you'd measure success before you get going and record a few episodes in advance before you launch We spend a lot of time on branding, on show notes, on social media assets to drive traffic. But ultimately, for me, success has been about showing up episode after episode and doing my best. It's not been more complicated than that. So we're on episode 48 I think our audience is relatively small. I mean, 70,000 in the world of, you know, social media and Josh Rogan's is a drop in the ocean, but I would rather have a truly meaningful and helpful impact on a few internal comms people than I would be sort of instantly forgotten by the masses. So that's how I sort of judge success at the end of the day.
0: Joined today by Katie McCauley. Katie, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed the conversation.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me on.